Yes, he is glorious. Amen. That's amazing. I was reviewing the, the Rosh Hadesh, and I was like, man, the next thing will be mysticism. So I'm, I've just decided to go through the same things. We're gonna, just going <laughs> to review what we've been studying in this Rosh Hadesh. This is uh, just one of the amazing Rosh Hadeshes ever. Uh, it's just, we're just coming from, you know, it's just like... This is just like the last moment of, how shall I put it? Not, not exactly the last moment, but it's just the revelation of things that are past, present, and future. I don't know how to put it. It's just past, present, and future. Things that are written over and over and over. We see it, we read it, but sometimes... Sometimes we're not ready to comprehend the whole thing. It's just the whole, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, let's see if I can go through this thing a little, a little fast. Because uh, I know it's hot and it's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, um, it feels good in here, definitely. I can go on for two hours, you know me. But, uh, but I won't do that, I promise it. So we have the Rosh Hadesh uh, Zivan. It's just uh, the third one of the whole month, of the whole year, I'm sorry. Uh, it's called the Month of Revelation. I'm using also the, uh, some graphics from uh, Tim Hag's ministry. By the way, you need to pray for Tim Hag. He's going through difficult times at this moment. I'll share with you later. Uh, so... Uh, yes, Rosh Hodesh Zivan is called the month of revelation. Uh, Zivan is the Babylonian name, as we all know, of the month, as all the official names of the month. The, the, the background is kind of, uh, guys, the background I don't think is the background we are looking for. Is the... Uh, okay, thanks. My eyes are really a little bit messed up. <laughs> but anyways, um, Sivan is the Babylonian name of this month, as uh, are all the official names of the month in Hebrew calendar. In the Bible, the month is referred to as the third month, which, uh, with reference to Nisan, the first month. We've been, we've been looking into those things. And so in the Torah, this month is simply called the third month. Uh, so sometime after the Babylonian captivity, they call it Zivan. And it's mentioned, mentioned only once in the book of Esther. So by the time Esther and the whole events in that place came about, uh, there were things. For instance, in the book of Esther, it's the first time that the word Yehudi is mentioned. Uh, or the word Jew. Mardochai the Yehudi, which, you know, our good friend, you know the name, is the one who's like, Mardachai the Yehudi, you know, he just, it was just a, he was trying to denigrate the guy, he was, he was like a, you know, but we know he's not a Yehudi, he was actually a Benjamite, from the tribe of Benjamin, but Yehudim were all of those who came from Judea, the Judean area, so, 
is the first time that this month, and probably the only time that this month is mentioned, and it's in the book of Esther. Now, the order of the month, I always like to show you this because we can have an idea where we're going, where we're coming from, and where we're going. And it's just, just this cycle, this beautiful cycle that I've been telling you about it, um, that we're going to see in all of this. Uh, I'm just going to get right to here. Yes, that's the, the, you know, the, the whole rings and things I've, I've been telling you about. But before, I'd like to show you some, some of these things um, which are really amazing. The month of Sivan brings to a close of the Omer period. And at the end of its first week, we celebrate Shavuot. At the end of this week, we're going to celebrate Shavuot. Listen, it goes really fast, huh? I mean, we just celebrated Passover, a little bit of heat, no pollen. You know, we've been counting the army. Isn't, isn't it great to count the army? You've been counting it? It's amazing. I mean, anytime you do it, it's, you just, you know, the rabbis teach us that. The, and I was telling you that in the class last uh, Saturday. The, what they teach us is, that in, and I'm paraphrasing because there's a lot of stuff in there. But they, what they say is that in Egypt, the Jewish people went all the way down to the corruption level of 49. They were about to collapse in the number 50, all the way down. So by the time they went out of Egypt, they, have, they started to get the levels, different levels all the way up back to, to God, and which they, they'll be ready to receive the Torah at the number 50. It's a lot of numbers, and it's nothing mystical with it. And so, you know, you have, with Yeshua, you have the third day, which is the day he was resurrected. Then you have the, 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 the seven days of the uh, leavened bread festival. Then you have also the 40th day, which is the one he, res, uh, re, uh, not resurrected, but ascended to heaven which is, it should be very important in our communities to celebrate as well. The 40th day is the ascension, and it's as important as the resurrection, as the whole thing, the birth, the, the ministry, the, the teachings, uh, resurrection, ascension, everything. And so, and then he's, he's giving the order to the disciples, wait for the gift that is going to be given to you on that specific day, which is Shavuot, or Pentecost, uh, for the uh, Greek communi community then. And so you have this opportunity to just look in past, present, and future of all these events. These are things, you know, shadows of things to come. Uh, we're still going to see th more things that we are not uh, we are not probably ready to see, but we're going to see many, many things that are not. It's, if you keep reading, reading and adjusting to the, the times and, 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 and ceremonies and festivals and all of this, if you leave these Torah and this word as your own, I'm, I'm assure you, you're going you're gonna to have a life changing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. 
and a lot of troubles and things that are out there are going to be just like, ah, whatever. You know, it's just, ah. Anyways, the first few days of Sivan are considered special, starting it today. Today is one of the most important days. Uh, the first day, of course, is Rosh Hodesh, the minor holiday, minor, I don't call it minor, but it's a uh, holiday celebrating the beginning of each new month. The second Sivan is known as uh, uh, Yom Dimiyuhat, the day of connection. Again, we're going to talk about those connections, those links connected to each other. Because it connects Rosh Hodesh and the three days of preparation for Shavuot. So you have Rosh Hodesh tonight, then you have the next, the following day you have, uh, tonight, tomorrow, of course, and then you have the second day, which is the link, okay? The link is called um, uh, the link for the three days of preparation. According to uh, the Talmud, there is a deeper connection established on this day. For on this day, God says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Exodus 19.6. The next three days, Sivan 3, 4, and 5, are known as Sheloshejimein uh, Hagbala, the three days of restriction. As God commanded, go unto your people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready against the third day. Exodus 19, 10, 11. Uh, in remembrance of the Israelites' three days preparation for Sinai, we too begin to ready ourselves, to get ready ourselves for Shavuot three days before. So it's important to prepare our hearts beginning tonight. Prepare everything. You know, I, I, I was yoking around not to just show off, you know, I mean, it's, you got to really under, not only understand it, but to, to feel it. You got to feel what is this uh, connection to God. It's not, it's not an emotion. It's not a, a thing that I, I, I have to experience either. I mean, I was telling you about miracles. I believe in miracles, but I, they just don't impress me. You won't impress me by telling me, oh, there is a miracle. I know there's miracles. I know my God, you know. It's like telling me, United States is the best army in the world. I know that. You don't have to impress me with that. Yeah, it's okay. So it's the same thing with, with I, I didn't need to see miracles to believe in my God. Amen. Some people need to, to, to uh, see miracles. I don't, you know, and so... And I still know that there are many, many miracles. And there are more and more. To, I just heard about two miracles today, by the way. Somebody called me and they gave me their testimony. This person was crying. I was like, wow, amen, hallelujah, Baruch Hashem. Good for them, you know. And I'm a miracle every night I go to sleep and every morning I get up. You know, because some people never get up. Some people don't have the privilege to be in many years. Some, I, just, I just love when I see elderly people, because I'm like, wow, that's a blessing. It's, it's really a miracle.
to be that age, you know. After 70s, 80s, 90s, and 100s, wow, I mean, it's a lot. So when they say, oh, you are in the middle of the age, 55 is not the middle, my friends. <laughs> it's more than the middle. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it to 100 years, so. Anyways, the, the Shabbat before Shavuot, I'll just tell you about those, those things. The Shabbat before Shavuot is called Shabbat Kala. Kala, don't, you know, some people call Kala bread. Kala, it's not Kala bread, it's Kala bread. It's a difference. Kala or Kala uh, is the name given in some traditions to the Shabbat before any bride's wedding. There is a Shavuot imagery that perceives Sinai as the marriage between God and Israel. On Erev Shavuot, it's customary to go to the mikveh, ritual bath, to purify ourselves before Sinai. Now I was telling you about this. As the Omer draws to a close, our steps lead us closer to Sinai. We try to get ready as best we can to stand before the mountain, we shall be afraid and once again tell Moses, it is too much. You tell us what God is saying, or whether we shall pierce the fiery clouds surrounding the mountain and hear the voice that has something special to say to, living, to each living soul. And these people were afraid to get close to the mountain. They were really afraid. So we're really getting ready. We're ascending. We are ascending. I was telling you last time about what this is, and the best way I can put a graphic on is, is this ladder, you know, of our souls going up forward and going up every, every time we do a mikvah, every time we pray, every time we do a festival, every time we do something for the Lord, even when we are by ourselves. The best way to to worship the Lord is when you do a mikvah, even when no one is watching you. Okay, that's the best way. Anytime you do a mikvah, you're worshiping the Lord. Amen. With or without witnesses around you. Of course, there will be witnesses that will see you. You are the witness. And these people will see you, and they will try to imitate what you're doing before the Lord, uh, which is amazing. So anytime we, anytime we celebrate his holidays, we are closer to God. Uh, <clears throat> Shavuot is the revealing of the Torah according to a lot of tradition. Shavuot, Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, of course on the sixth day of Sivan, and on the seventh day of Sivan for those observing two days in the diaspora. Uh, it celebrates the giving of the Torah, God's gift for the uh, Jewish people, which is the guide for how we are to live in this world. The Torah is the spelling out of the details of the covenant that, while initiated by the events of Exodus, is agreed upon and sealed at Sinai. Sinai is more than the receiving of the Torah, it is the experiencing of the divine, an experience shared by all the Jews of all time. For each of us was there and heard the voice of Sinai. While theologians and the scholars may debate what actually happened at Sinai, for the religious believer, 
Sinai is central to both beliefs and practice. To believe in a God who cares about this world and expects us to strive in our lives to practice what is good and just. Uh, there is a controversy with the dates and this and that, but I'm not going to go into there. Uh, so let's read this text. It's really cool. This is the biblical Shavuot. The biblical Shavuot is right there in Exodus 19.1. In the third month after the people of Israel had left the land of Egypt, the same day they came to the Sinai Desert. So that's the key word. In the third month after the people of Israel have left Egypt. And then you see in uh, verse 2, after setting out from Rephidim and arriving at the Sinai Desert, they set up camp in the desert. There in front of the mountain, Israel set up camp. It's redundant. What is telling us that they were around the mountain, which is cool, kind of cool. Now, in Deuteronomy, we have another text, interesting text. You shall count off a seven weeks. Start to count the seven weeks when the sickle is first put to the standing grain. Then you shall observe the feast of weeks for the Lord your God, offering your free will contribution according as the Lord your God has blessed you. And so this is connected to the, to the crops and all this farming stuff. We are no farmers in here. So what we've been doing in Bethel and I is putting a dollar aside anytime we, we've been counting the Omer. And so we're going to bring that on the 50th day, which is going to be this Saturday at 7 p.m. There's a couple quotes uh, from a book I'd like to read. Um, there are many things that we already know. So I'm just going to move on to, to the, next, the next theme, which is the Rabbinic Shavuot. And the Rabbinic Shavuot, and this, this is from a book, it's called Living Judaism, The Complete Guide to Jewish Beliefs, Tradition, and Practice by Rabbi Wayne Dosik, Ph.D. When the Holy Temple was destroyed and the people set off to exile, two things happened to the festival of Shavuot first. As with the other festivals that were observed in the diaspora, where the calendar was not formally set, and additional days was added to the commemoration to make sure that the festival was properly celebrated. So the biblical one-day holiday became two-day observance. So again, the second day is traditional. It's a second uh, is, is from the traditional. Second, Shavuot lost much of its power and popularity after the Holy Temple was destroyed and there was no longer any place to bring the offerings. And as many Jews moved out of the agricultural settings into villages and towns. So it was a, a changing of just like when the industrialization in the United States happened. And then a lot of changes in the economy happen. People lose jobs. That's what's happening here. They, lose, they lost their jobs. And so what was become of a biblical mandated holiday that was being increasingly ignored? 
to reinfuse Shavuot with meaning and with loyal observance. The sages taught that Shavuot is really much more than an agricultural festival. So they needed to add the, the spiritual realm, the spiritual thing onto it. Uh, with some creative mathematics, in their way of counting the time in the biblical account, the sages determined that it was exactly seven weeks, the exodus from Egypt and the revelation at Sinai. Thus, they linked Shavuot to the theophany, the exact moment when God gave the Torah at Sinai. Bingo. They had a very good solution about that. As well as, it's, uh, well, Shavuot has other names. Shavuot also is called, uh, came to be known as Zeman Matan Torateinu, the time of the giving of the Torah. With this designation, Shavuot regained primacy in Jewish life for what could be more important to Jews in Judaism that the giving or of receiving the Torah. Shavuot contended the sages. It is the commemoration of that defining event in the history of Judaism and the history of the world. With Shavuot now commemorating the giving of the Torah, Zephirat HaOmer also took a new meaning as well. Now, the sages and the mystics thought that Shavuot is the moment of eternal commitment, the marriage between God and the Jewish people. On Pesach, God and the people pledge themselves to each other. The Sefirah is the period of the courtship and engagement, the time when trust and love grow deeper and stronger. Sefirat HaOmer thus becomes not just a time for counting toward an agricultural harvest, but a time of hear, uh, heart, heart, heartfelt emotion and excited anticipation as the relationship between God and the Jewish people moves uh, shiftly forward toward consummation, toward the wedding at Sinai, the time when God will give his wedding gift at, of Torah. Sefirah HaOmer is now a time not only to count the days, but to make the days count in preparation for the transcendent moment of revelation. Did you get it? It's good, right? Good stuff. Very good stuff. In modern times, for Jews in Israel and for Reformed Jews, Shavuot is one-day festival, and also for us, the Messianic Jews. For Orthodox and Conservative Jews living in the diaspora, Shavuot, it should be two days. Uh, there's more stuff from the book, but I, I'd rather just move on to the next thing. Um, um, yeah. All right, let's move here. One strong connection between Pesach and Shavuot is that the counting of the Omer serves as a chain linking the two festivals. No other festivals are connected so emphatically. The connections operate on a number of levels, from connecting the beginning and the end of the wheat harvest to mar marking the movement from Egypt to Sinai, to acknowledge the connection between liberation and revelation. So we have that, the liberation, then the last month, Iyar, which was the month of 
brightness and then uh, the revelation. Very good. Good stuff, huh? Then we have some traditions. There's many other traditions, like uh, because of its original agricultural nature, Shavuot does not have any rituals equivalent to the sukkah, you know, the sukkah or on Sukkot or the Seder and Passover, the agricultural rituals of Shavuot cease with the destruction of the temple. On a more mystical level, the revelation of Sinai can be viewed as an experience to, uh, so cosmic and mysterious that no ritual could encompass it. Just as the Torah itself is so multifaceted. Thank you. That. Uh, I'm just worried about some words that the world came out. Anyways, that it eludes any attempt to delineate it. Like God, who cannot be described, his Torah cannot be limited by a specific ritual or, or symbol other than the Torah scroll itself. So it's very, um, there are things that you cannot see, but you have to feel it. Still, we have, you know, like decorations. Uh, people decorate the, you know, put a lot of green stuff in the congregations. In the, uh, this congregation, Bethel Donai, is always greenish, right? It's always green, so we don't need to do that. Uh, a number of customs have arisen for Shavuot, the oldest of which are the decorating of the synagogue and home with green plants, branches, and even trees, and the eating of dairy, dairy foods, a lot of dairy foods, a lot of milk, cheeses, and things. Both are, are of obscure origin. The most common explanations for the floral motif are as follows. The area around the mountain Sinai was green, according to the implication of neither let the flocks or herds graze. So this is probably greenish. There was probably some bushes and things, you know, because animals love to eat plants and stuff like that. According to one tradition, the day of judgment for trees is Shavuot. Ah, interesting. It's the hottest day, huh? For trees. Man to uh, focus our prayers to the trees, we put them in the synagogue. They are a remembrance of the decorations on the baskets of first fruits brought to the temple on Shavuot. So in some congregations, they bring fruits, you know, as, and, and flowers and plants and things. They remind us of baby Moses in his basket at the Nile, which according to tradition was found on Shavuot. That's another tradition. One of the favorite flowers we use on Shavuot is the rose, chosen because of a play on words in Esther 8.14. And the decree, Edat, D-A-T, was proclaimed in Shushan. This verse is playfully interpreted to mean that the law was given with a rose. Shushan is a rose. So have you, you heard this name, Shoshana? That's Shoshana is a rose, basically. Therefore, one custom was to scatter spices and roses around the synagogue to create a beautiful fragrance, or similarly, to give every congregant fresh myrtle to smell. 
This customs recall a midrash, which states that the Israelites fainted from fear when God began to speak the Ten Commandments at Sinai, and so God had to revive them with fragrant spices. I'll, I'll be scared. <laughs> I'll be scared if I hear the voice of the Lord like that. You know, I'll be like, wow, hey, somebody help me. Call 911 or something. Uh, Another Midrash teaches us that as each commandment came forth from God, the entire world was filled with the fragrance and wondrous spices. Wow. The other Gaster suggests parallels with other folk customs, especially the decorating of churches at Whitson with trees. His suggestion is supported by the fact that the Gone of Vilna the leading Talmudists in the 18th century strenuously opposed the custom of decorating the synagogue with trees and an Im as an imitation of Gentile practices. That's another controversy. Because of the symbol of roses, the folk art of paper cutting associated with Shavuot was called Reizele or Shoshanta, both meaning roses, as well as Shavuot Shavuzulek, from the word Shavuot. It was customary to decorate synagogues and homes with paper cuts displaying complicated designs using flowers and trees as well as many other folk motifs. So, just decorate the synagogue with greens and flowers as a memorial of the first fruit offering. Another great custom is eating dairy uh, um, Dairy products, a lot of cheeses and things like that, if you can. I mean, some people are not really good with uh, lactose anymore, right? Lactose. Yeah, lactose. <laughs> no lactose tolerance. Uh, it is customary to eat uh, no meat on Shabbat. The Torah is a Torah of peace. On the day of the giving the Torah, God's peace extends also to the animal world. So that's the idea. Milk represents life, meat represents death. Because in order for you to get the meat, you've got to kill the animal. But milk is life. You know, the animal is still alive when <laughs> you're milking it. Otherwise, it won't be good. Dairy foods, fruits and vegetables are eaten at the Shavuot dinner. And tradi in traditional Jewish society, Shavuot was the time of the consecration of new students. Um, another cool, cool thing we do is we read the book of Ruth. Uh, when we read the, uh, what is it? Yeah, right here. This is among the Ashkenazim Jews. Another custom that arose is the reading of the book of, the, of Ruth. A number of reasons are given for this custom. The story is set at harvest time. Ruth's conversion, they believed she converted to Judaism is analogous for, uh, to our voluntarily acceptance of the Torah and God's covenant at Sinai. We are taught, in fact, that the Israelites in the desert had the status of converts and hence underwent circumcision and ritual immersion. King David, according to tradition, was born and died on Shavuot. The book of Ruth ends with the genealogy from Ruth down to King David. 
Reading Ruth means that the totally of the Torah is celebrated on Shavuot. For Ruth is part of the Ketuvim, the writings that together with the Torah and the prophets compose the whole Bible. Most commonly, uh, the book of Ruth is read without a blessing during the morning services of Shavuot on the second day for those observing two days of Shavuot. Uh, the Edward Greenstein from the book The Jewish Holidays it has another uh, a good set of things. True Shavuot is the only one of the three pilgrimages that had no historical connection with the Torah itself. Historical and comparative studies show that all three festivals, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, originated as nature rites and later took on a historical association with the Exodus and Wandering period. Being, a, being approximate in time to the Sinai Revelation, Shavuot could hardly resist such a connection. The two themes of Shavuot, harvest and revelation, come together most poignantly in the book of Ruth, which we read on Shavuot. There, uh, the renewed fertility of the earth and the ensuing harvest parallel and anticipate the fulfillment that is delivered to the Israelite woman Naomi and her Moabite daughter-in-law Ruth. Ruth inaugurates this process of fulfillment by embracing the Israelite covenant. Where you go, Ruth tells Naomi, I go. Where you lodge, I lodge. Your people is my people and your God is my God. We too embrace the covenant again each year on Shavuot. Isn't it great? <clears throat> okay, uh, then there is another cool thing we do, and it's a study, and it's called Tikkun Lei Shavuot. This, uh, this is a capitalist custom emanating from the mystics on the Safed 16th century, uh, and it's to stay up the whole first night of Shavuot to study in Torah. No me, I like my bed, I like to sleep. I like to sleep. <laughs> I won't get up all night just, uh, no, no. But <laughs> this is an Ashkenazim custom anyways. So the Tikkun, a set order of study, was composed of selections from the Bible, rabbinic literature, and even mystical literature, such as the Sohar in this fashion. The Kabbalists prepared for the momentous revelation of the following morning. I'll be sleeping. All right. The practice of staying up all night is in a stark contrast to that of the Israelites at Sinai, who according to tradition slept late that morning. That's what I'm talking about. They slept late that morning, you know, and had to be awakened by Moses. I'll wait for Moses to wake me up, you know, or my phone or my wife, whatever. In atonement for this, Jews know that nowadays to stay awake all night. They were sleeping. Why I had to be awake? Anyway, anyways, uh, the sense of preparation for Sinai is heightened by the mystical tradition holding that the skies open up during this night for a brief instant. Woof. At that very moment, we are told God will favorable, will answer any. Prayer. He answered prayers anytime, so 
you know, so that's, that's great. This is just tradition, which is cool. The traditional tikkun includes the study of small sections from each book of the Torah and Talmud, symbolically representing all of the central texts of Judaism. At sunrise, the tikkun is ended and the morning service is recited. The other uh, cool custom is the Book of Psalms. The Book of Psalms uh, is one more custom noted, noted uh, in the Book of the Jewish Holiday is a lesser known custom. It is to recite the whole Book of Psalms by staying up late the second night of Shavuot. This is because of the tradition that King David, the author of the Psalms, was born and died on Shavuot. Another custom is to read the book of Psalms during the afternoon of the second day of Shavuot. I can read that in the afternoon. That's, that's cool. That's an activity to do before Shavuot. Eh? Read the book of Psalms. And, uh, of course, I mentioned to you the mikveh. Um, now, Bethel and I is going to will usher in Shavuot with an evening service. Shavuot service will be Saturday, June the 8th at 7 p.m. Don't forget that. June this Saturday, which is going to be cool. We're going to be here all day. You know, just after the class, we stay for dinner. We're going to eat uh, delicious dairy foods. And then we're going to be up here probably going to read the book of Ruth and then we'll we'll hear a little a little teaching and and then we'll go home with our time is full right it'll be okay and the next day Sunday we'll relax all right um, there is also a widespread custom of standing when the Ten Commandments are read both to emphasize their importance to us and in some uh, small way to imitate the experience at Sinai when the Jews stood to receive God's revelation. So it would be nice to stand up and, and just hear the Ten Commandments. Um, the Ten Commandments, right? Um... So we already mentioned the study all night, the tractates. They read the, the 60 tractates of the Talmud, not the 60, but different portions of it. Uh, the participants symbolically study the entire Torah written, uh, written and oral in a single night. Uh, hence the term tikkun, which you know is repair. Uh, which the mystics used to describe the healing of the shattered relationship between God and the world. So that, that's a, a cool thing, tikkun olam, repairing the, the world. It's something that we do when we study the Torah, when we study the world, because something gets into our hearts, our minds, and then we practice it. When we practice it, we proceed to, to do mikvahs, and those mikvahs are repairing the world. Not only repairing you, me, but repairing somebody who is crashed, who is uh, not good spiritually. So we fix somebody else's lives uh, by studying the Torah and putting it in practice. In modern times, many Jews cease to observe Shavuot. Um, 
because of different things, uh, different things. Um, in Germany, for instance, attempt to revive the festival by making it an occasion for new ritual of confirmation, the graduation of religious school students at age 15 or 16. So in other words, the, the modern world is changing it to graduations and things like that. You know, it's, 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 it, takes, it takes time to, you know, the, uh, the society changes it for different things. Nothing wrong with that. It's just keep in mind that when you're doing that, you also think about the receiving of the Torah and Tikkun at the same time. I mean, participating in those graduations is great, but at the same time, uh, you, know, make, uh, you know, make your mind fixed to repair the world all the same time. In Reformed congregations today, and in some conservative congregations, confirmation is the most significant ritual of Shavuot. In recent times, neo-traditional Jews have revived the custom of Tikkun Leil Shavuot, Usually these groups develop their own curriculum of the evening rather than to use the Tikkun text of the medieval mystics. They may ask each participant to prepare a presentation of a spiritual issue or an aspect of Jewish learning into which he or she has gained some insight. The Aharit, this is what the, you know, this is an acronym so we can understand the Ashkenazim communities a little bit better. All of these traditions, including the customs largely observed in the Ashkenazim communities, is what they call the uh, Aharit, which is an acrostic. Achdamut, uh, right here. Achdamut, the reading of the liturgical poem during Shavuot morning, synagogue services. Halav, which is milk the consumption of dairy products like milk and cheese, Ruth, the reading of the Book of Ruth and morning, at morning services, Yerek, the decoration at homes and synagogues with greenery, and Torah, engaging in all-night Torah study. Um, probably the most important of this acrostic is the Akdemut, Ashkenazim synagogues, customary chant a medieval pijut. Pijut is a liturgical poem entitled Agdamut uh, to a special tune before the Torah reading on the first day of Shavuot. Agdamut, written in Aramaic, praises God's glory and speaks of the messianic future. It is recited after someone is called for the first aliyah. This is beautiful. I've been in those services. They're really beautiful. Another custom for the uh, Sephardim is called Azharot. Uh, this is from the Book of Jewish Holidays as well. Instead of Agdamut, Sephardic synagogues recite the Pijut or poem called Azharot, which lists the 613 commandments from the Torah. And also, Jishor is recited on the first or second day, depending of, on observance. So Shavuot as a marriage, some of the sages also envision the Torah as a ketubah, or marriage contract, between God and Israel. 
So one of the most beautiful images of Shavuot is that of the marriage between God, the groom, and Israel, the bride. Developing this image, Pesach is the period of God's courtship of Israel, and Shavuot celebrates the actual marriage. Sukkot then is the setting up of Bayit Ne'eman, a house faithful to Judaism. Even the Midrash problematic imagery of God holding the mountain of Sinai over the Israelites' head while saying, accept my Torah or else, is transforming this romantic symbolism as the mountain becomes a chuppah, a wedding canopy for the marriage. According to this view, Moses smashes the tablets because uh, <clears throat> there were no iPods. There were no iPods. <laughs> There were no iPads, so they smashed it. Because they are God's ketubah, marriage contract to Israel, and Moses, as messenger, chooses to smash them rather than deliver them to Israel and thereby complete the marriage of Israel and God. To complete the marriage will have meant that the Israelites who were worshiping the golden calf were, in fact, being unfaithful in their marriage. Jeremiah 31, 32, which announces the future establishment of the new covenant with Israel, may hint at this. Behold, days are coming, declares Adonai, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers, seeing the day I took them by the hand of, uh, to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, Although I was a husband to them, declares Adonai. Here, God portrays the Torah as a marriage covenant between himself and Israel. Since the Sinai covenant was a written document, it is easy to see how it could be envisioned as a ketubah, the marriage contract between a man and, a f and the father of his bride. So there's a messianic, there's many messianic interpretations. I'm just going to refer to one, uh, and I believe this is by Tim Hag as well. With this background in view, it is most interesting that God chose the festival of Shavuot to be the time when he, in accordance with Yeshua's promise, according to Luke 24:49 and Acts 1:4, will send forth his spirit to empower his disciples to evangelize the nations. Thus, gathering together the elect and all the peoples to join the remnant of Israel in the salvation procured by Yeshua. It was by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh that promise made to Abraham, in you all the families, nations of the earth shall be blessed, will be fulfilled, that the light of the Torah will reach even the most remote parts of the world. For instance, uh, like Isaiah 42, 4, and Acts 1, 8. Not only did uh, the outpouring of the Spirit on the Shavuot link the work of the Spirit with the giving of the Torah and God's purpose to bring the elect to the nations to hear and receive its revelation, it's also linked the presence of the Spirit with the concept of a covenant of marriage between God and His chosen people. In Ephesians 1, 13, 14, Paul teaches that the indwelling spirit is himself a guarantee of the believer's final redemption. In him, Vision says, 
Messiah, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given us a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So note that Paul uses two metaphors in regard to the presence of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer. Okay, uh, so like the Ketuba marriage contract, which was a legal document, document securing the future measure of the bride and groom, so the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is a sure guarantee for the believer has become into a covenant relationship with God through his Messiah Yeshua, a covenant that will in the future be fully realized. Um, so in conclusion, as we celebrate Shavuot this year, uh, we're celebrating, remembering this Saturday. Uh, we need to understand all these things, all the days in preparations and so on. Uh, I like to read this. It's, it's kind of a statement from uh, uh, this rabbit thing I like, uh, Miriam Solomon Lancaster. Rosh Hodesh is, uh, is called an, uh, the, for, the Forgotten Festival, an obscure holiday on the biblical calendar sets the stage for the revelation of Shavuot. It's really short. Let me see. Rosh Hodesh divine is a small event that will always and inevit inevitable be overshadowed by the grandeur of the celebration of Shavuot. Today is overshadowed by the grandeur of the celebration of Shavuot, which follows shortly after. Rosh Chodesh Sivan is the beginning of the third month on the biblical calendar. Rosh Chodesh means head of the month. It refers to the new moon, which marks the beginning of the biblical month. Every Rosh Chodesh has significance because the Torah designates the new moons as appoint appointed times. They are little festivals in God's calendar. The new moon of the month of Sivan has extra significance because Rosh Hodesh Sivan serves the com to commemorate the people of Israel's encampment at Mount Sinai while also helping to remind us of the important aspect of our faith communities. And there's the verses we read, Exodus 19, 1 to 2. The singular form of the Hebrew word for, in for camped is used. According to the sages, this is meant to imply that the people of Israel were in a state of such unity and mutual love that their spirit was like that of one man. The sages emphasized the importance of the spirit of unity in saying that Israel was not able to receive the Torah until they came together as a community without quarrel. Both Rosh Hodesh Sivan and the celebration of the giving of the Torah, or Shavuot, are continuously paired with a theme of a spiritual unity and love. When in Acts 2, the apostles were gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate the Pentecost, they are described in a way that reflects the description that was given in the, of the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts 2.1. The singular form of that word is again used to describe a group of people 
that has become so uni united that their spirit is like that of one person. It is obvious that love and unity within a community is a large and important part of both Rosh Hashanah Sivan and the festival of Shavuot. During the month of Sivan, we should not only focus on remembering the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, but also make an effort to bring our communities to a place of unity and peace. As a community of believers who frequently face the challenges of internal friction and bitter disagreement, we will be unable to progress forward and in our faith until our community has come to a place of peace and love and is united under one spirit. As we prepare for Shavuot this year, let's enter the spirit of Rosh Hashanah Sivan and set aside our differences. Good thing we don't have differences here in Bethel and I, right? These are communities like in Mars. Philippians, I'll finish with this. Philippians 2, 2 to 1. Therefore, if there is if there is any encouragement in Messiah, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Hodestow. So this is great. Um, so I hope you, you got something out of this 50 pages plus 40 I got here. I mean, they, they, we are messianics, and as messianics, we need to read. We need to read, we need to study. You know, just when I'm spending time in the internet, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just shut it off and open my Bible. I mean, I, I just bought another Bible, people. And it's because this got what they call it. Um, Giant print. <laughs> Can't see no more. <laughs> so I don't know what's after giant. Super giant. Godzilla print. Something like that. It kind of like, Whoa! I mean, I'm happy with it. But anyways, we got to read. Read, practice, study the Torah. I mean, it's just sometimes it can be boring or you can be exhausted. You can be, if you, let me tell you, if you can't read, Audio books. Get an audio Bible. Some of you probably drive a lot, especially here in Atlanta. It's just exhausted and 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 is. Uh, I mean, it's frustrated to drive here in, in in Atlanta. Some of you probably drive to other states, other places that are one hour, two hours away. Get an audio Bible. Listen to the Bible. Stop listening to the news and other things that are not gonna be. You know, they're just passing by. Those things are just passing by, creating more hate into our lives. Don't worry about it. You know, the world is going to collapse anyway. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, it's collapsing. There's nothing better, right? Nothing new under the sun. But uh, my, uh, uh, my uh, encouragement to you is that get into the Word constantly and just read it, study it, practice it. All right, let's pray. Abba, thank you for Rosh Hodesh Sivan. Thank you for your word. And just, Father, help us and light us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to get ready.
to receive the Torah, not only in Shavuot, but every day. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.